Amen. Amen. Hey, I think we came here to worship. What do you think? Amen. Great to see you. God bless you. And uh, you can be seated if you want to. We want to welcome you to uh, Influence Church in Anaheim Hills, California. If you're watching on live stream around the world, we welcome you. We thank you for your support and your generosity and your kindness. And uh, we believe God is doing something special in our midst. Amen? And uh, you sang like it today, and that's awesome. That's what we want to see. We want to see you fired up for Jesus. It's uh, definitely he is worthy all of all our praise. Amen? You know, when you, when you think about that phrase, God is good, when you say that, you're basically slapping the face of Satan who said to Adam and Eve, God is not good. Do you ever think about that? When you say God is good, you really question everyone who says to you, well, how could a good God do that? You see, your words have power and they have authority. And what you speak has a lot of significance, not just in the natural realm, but in the spiritual realm. And every time you make a statement like that in the, in the natural realm, it resonates in the spiritual realm, both in the good and the bad, that is the evil shudders at the goodness of God. Evil shudders at the name of Jesus. Sometimes you may not feel like it. Can I get a witness? You don't feel like it, but do it anyway. Because if you do it anyway, your emotions will catch up to the declaration of your mouth. Are you with me on this? Don't worry about how you feel. That'll change day by day. But if you will just affirm what you know is true in your heart, what you'll see is you'll see the goodness of God show up. You'll see the power and the authority that you are given in Christ be realized in your daily life. So you have to be in the game all the time. Because oh, I, I just, I'm tired. I'm, you don't know what I've gone through. Who cares? Tell somebody who cares. Jesus. He can do something about it. I got my own problems. How about you? Right? I got to affirm God just like you. I don't get any special treatment. I have to step into the positive affirmation of the power of God in the authority of the Holy Spirit based on the Word of God, and then I see the reality of what I believe. Amen? Amen, all right. What a week. About the time you think it can't get any stranger. America forms a new nation. Chaz, how does it get any crazier than this today? I don't even know. I, one of the uh, authors that I really like is a, is a Russian uh, novelist. Um, he won the Nobel in literature. Uh, he died about 12 years ago. His name is Alexander Sosenitsyn. And for those of you who are really interested in literature and really interested in reading about some, some things of depth, he is a great one to read. He was uh, actually imprisoned in uh, communist uh, Russia, spent some time in the gulag, which is the prison, the worst of the worst prisons. Uh, later, was he was expelled under uh, Khrushchev, brought him out, then expelled and, and went to Germany, then to America, wrote 
uh, some great things. But uh, one of the things that he wrote I want to read to you today. He said, over a century ago, while I was still a child, I was re recall hearing a number of old people offer the following explanation for the great disasters that had befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. That's why all of this has happened. Since then, I have spent well nigh 50 years working on the history of our revolution. In the process, I have read hundreds of books, collected hundreds of personal testimonies, and have already contributed eight volumes of my own toward the effort of clearing away the rubble left by that upheaval. But if I were asked today to formulate as concisely as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately than to repeat, men have forgotten God, and that's why this has all happened. When you forget God as an individual, as a family, as a community, as a nation, as a world, disaster befalls you. It is a cause and effect. And when we, when we see a nation that slips away, even if it's just a little away, it does have an effect on our life. It has an effect on your life, doesn't it? When you step away from God for a little while and you kind of, you, you don't know really how to find yourself. You ever been there? You're trying to navigate through some crisis in your life and you don't know why God didn't come through when he was supposed to come through. And all of a sudden you realize you're not better off for stepping back, you're worse off for stepping back. You gotta step in to God, amen? Step in to God. One of the headlines that caught my attention this week and I followed it as probably you have because I'm doing plenty of doom surfing it's a technical term now. You find it actually, you'll find it in the new dictionary. But it's this uh, Seattle Police Union chief says his city is the closest I've ever seen to being a lawless state. Now, that's not spoken by someone who doesn't understand the work that goes on among the, 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 the great work that our officers do around the world. You say, well, isn't there a bad one? Sure, there's more than one. But it's in every industry, right? Mayor Jenny Durkin from Seattle, I don't even know what, how to comment on her, but anyway, let me just read what she said. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't hurt. Um, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, hashtag Chaz, is not a lawless wasteland of anarchist insurrection. It is a peaceful expression of our community's collective grief and their desire to build a better world. I don't know about you, that kind of gives me a pain I can't locate. <laughs> because following her comment is the police chief who said within Chaz are rapes, shootings, and all kinds of bad things going on. Chaz is an interesting place for me because I, now I, I wonder, I guess we still have 50 states, but now instead of 194 countries, we have 195. Already we see that the, the new upstart country is struggling. They've already gotten foreign aid. They've brought in porta-potties from outside of another nation, the United States. When you enter, there's a sign that says you're now leaving the United States of America. Now, I, I do this a little tongue-in-cheek because it's, it's the world we live in, it's the world we see, and we have to be able to sort through all of this and make sense of what's happening. Let me read something to you. I think it's an interesting comment. 
It said, the world must regard with profound astonishment the spectacle of a national lawlessness which the United States now exhibit. They are now swept by a storm of rebellion such as never been seen before. They're actuated by a spirit of resistance to law by contempt for order and by defiant rebellion against the entire structure which we call the United States government. That was in the Philadelphia Gazette, February 4th, 1861. It was about, you remember the Civil War began in April of 1861. Just two months prior to the Civil War that took so many lives and separated a nation. The answer is that lawlessness has little to do with civil or national law. We think of lawlessness, what goes through your mind is probably someone breaking the law. But that is only the, the result of what's on the inside of us as human beings. This is because lawlessness is not the action of violating established laws of a nation. Lawlessness runs much deeper and is by nature spiritual. Remember, we're told in Scripture, but we forget it in daily life, and that is that the battle we're in is not a battle against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers, that is, demonic forces in high places. That's where our real contention is. And what we do is we make our brother the enemy, and our brother's not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. And one day he will bow his knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, just like when everyone confesses that Jesus is Lord, so will Satan bow his knee and he will confess Jesus is Lord. Amen and amen. Let's talk a little bit about the origin of law. We think about law and we wonder where does law come from and it's, it's gotta be more than the collective wisdom of a nation, of a people. There has to be a lawgiver somewhere along the line that sets a standard that we conform to versus we're trying to just decide what's right. Nazi Germany thought they could come up with a plan of what's right, and they decided an entire race of people were not human beings. And they had a collective agreement somehow in that time of great crisis and duress that that would be an acceptable form of government. We all know, and I think we can all affirm, that was a disaster, and it was in its very inception demonic. But in the book of James, it says there is only one lawgiver and judge. And it's not me and it's not you. Amen? It's God. I want somebody bigger and smarter than me to come up with the rules. I don't know about you, I really don't want you coming up with the rules and you don't want me coming up with the rules. I want God coming up with the rules. He is the lawgiver, and he's the judge. Why do you think the Bible says don't judge one another? Because you're not good at it. Right? You ever been judged by someone and you felt so violated because they didn't really get you and what was going on and know the whole story? Well, that Bible says then don't do that to somebody else. You see, God is a righteous judge. God knows how to separate truth from error, right from wrong, evil and truth, and put all those things together and come up with something that literally is fair, and we call that justice. Justice. Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 22, the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king, and he will save us. I don't know about you, doesn't it just feel good to be bathed in the Word of God? 
just to be reaffirmed that there is a God in the heavens that's in control, and he's got everything under control, even when it feels like everything is slipping away. Don't fear. I've got good news. You're okay in the hands of God. Get outside those hands, you're on your own. Isaiah 51.4, pay attention to me, O my people, and give ear, O my nation, for a law will go forth from me, and I will set my justice for a light unto the people. Alexander Sotsenitsyn again, you can tell I like him, even if I can't spell his name. He said, from the most ancient times, justice has been a two-part concept. Virtue triumphs and vice is punished. We expect wrongdoers to suffer justice, right? Not punishment, only if they're wrongdoers should they have justice in, in their life and should they have then the repercussion of that. But he went on to write, understanding the present and the future is critical if we are to survive. Did you see that? Understanding what? What's going on in our world right now, the present and the future is critical if we're to survive. So Sinesan also reminds us of an old proverb. Dwell on the past and you'll lose an eye. Forget the past and you'll lose both eyes. We seem to be a nation who's trying to forget the past. I don't know about you, but it's pretty hard to forget your past. Your past is part of what makes you better today because you look back on the mistakes you made and you say, I'm not gonna make that one again. So remembering what went wrong in your life. Sometimes people will say to me, well, you know, God can't love me because all I've done. No, that's why God loves you. Because you understand that you did wrong and you repented and you're willing to come to God. You see, repentance is the alleyway to faith. Without repentance, you can't understand faith in God because you always feel guilty and shame because of sin. I always thought a great slogan for a church would be, sinners welcome here, all others leave. Because if you don't realize who you are, that you have fallen short of God's holy standard, then you cannot be a recipient of his grace. Now, once you come into his grace, the goal is not to see how much sin you can commit. Paul deals with that in Romans chapter, chapter six. He says, you know, what can we, shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how can we who have died unto sin still live therein? And the idea is we reckon ourselves dead unto sin but alive unto God every day. Because the cross is the key. Why do you think Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me? Because you need it. Because without the cross, you become self-indulgent, self-everything. Everything becomes important in your life. One of the curious verses, and I like to requote it over and over again, is the one where Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. And I said, that seems unfair, God. No, God understood how we are. If we don't have poor to calibrate us in our life, we will become so self-indulged that we will just become greeter and greeter in our life. How beneficial is when you, you realize someone has less than you and how blessed you are? That brings generosity to you. Right now, I, I, I'm just hap, so happy with our 
empowerment program and we're feeding and we're, we're probably distributing about five to six tons of food every week and right now going on out there is, is food distribution and we have people that come and have needs and if you have needs after this service, you go out there and you get food, we got plenty, right? You say, well, I'm not poor and I'm not hungry, but if it helps you with your daily budget, your monthly budget, let us help you. It, amen? Thomas Sowell, and I love this guy. You may have never heard his name. He actually dropped, he grew up in Harlem. He dropped out of high school, went to the Marine Corps and served in the Korean War. He got out of the Korean War and decided he'd go to school, so he somehow managed to get himself into Harvard. I love this. High school dropout gets into Harvard. Oh, did I tell you he was African-American? He's still alive, by the way. He uh, got his bachelor's degree, graduating magna cum laude from Harvard. Not bad for a high school dropout. Went on to get his master's degree from Columbia, and then he earned a doctorate in economics at the University of Chicago. He said this, have we reached the ultimate stage of absurdity where some people are held responsible for things that happened before they were born, while other people are not held responsible for what they themselves are doing today? You know, truth just rings true. You ever notice that? You just go, yeah, I, I, I kind of think that's true. The Bible talks about a coming lawless one. You see, we, we understand lawless. We understand lawlessness. The Bible speaks of the mystery of lawlessness, and that Greek word mysterion means something not that is weird and eerie and hiding in the corner. It is the word that means something that is, is now being revealed. And there is a revelation that is happening in our day right now about lawlessness. We understand the foundation is cracked and there are changes in the way that we see life, but we don't understand it unless we understand it through spiritual eyes. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 says, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. So Paul's writing in the first century, he says it's already working. So there's something happening in the spiritual realm now, but what if you can just imagine this chart is like up and to the right, because what happens is as it accelerates, as we get closer to the end of days, there is an acceleration in lawlessness because there is a departure from God and the fulfillment of God's ultimate plan in history. But it says and, uh, only he who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So there is a restrainer on lawlessness happening, not only in the first century, but today. And the he he speaks about there is the Holy Spirit. He speaks about when the time is right and there is the rapture of the church, the restraining presence of the Holy Spirit will allow lawlessness to run free, and that's when you enter in to what's called in the Bible the tribulation period. So look what he says. Until he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed. So he says, all right, in first century, the mystery of lawlessness is working, but it will only culminate with the revelation of the lawless one. The lawless one, we know by Scripture, is the Antichrist himself. I've kind of linked up to this website for 
that gives me a lot of feeds from the Catholic Church, and I'm just really interested in the Catholic Church. Never been a Catholic, but have a lot of Catholic brothers, and uh, I don't buy into all the doctrine of the Catholic Church, but you know what? There's a lot of truth there, too. And I, and I thought this was an interesting uh, title of a headline, Pope Francis, Evil Seems to Reign Supreme in Today's World. The reason it caught my attention was because I didn't agree. Evil is not running or ruling supreme in our world. God is. Amen? Now, I know what he's saying. He's saying there that there's so much bad things happening in our world, we tend to get flipped over here and thinking, man, the world is just going to hell. I know, I can use that word because it's in the Bible. <laughs> Amen? But you, don't you feel that way sometimes? And you go like, God, where are you? You go, I'm good. I'm seated in the heavenly places and I know exactly what's happening here. And just as I brought my children through the waters of the great flood in the time of Noah, just as I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, just as I rescued uh, Joseph from, that, from, from the hand of his evil brothers, I will rescue you. I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen? Can you say amen to that? So what can we expect in the days ahead? Well, rather than paint the picture that's not true, I'm gonna paint one that I think is true. Here's what I think you can expect. I think you can, you can expect this, the acceptance of lawlessness is a new norm. Now, I don't know what rocket science sat down and said, you know what, what we wanna do is get better control of our, of our society, so let's just cancel the police. Somebody's smoking something. That's all I can say, right? I don't want that world, do you? I don't want that world. Here's another one. There will be a decline in courage on, on the part of leadership worldwide. Courage will, will just fall into complacency and the nodding of head. Just watch it. You're already seeing it, aren't you? It's hard to be courageous, hard to stand in the face of opposition, but that's what we're called to do as believers. And then I think you're gonna see shame as a motivator for conformity. I went to CVS the other day. I wanted to buy some antihistamine. Simple exercise. I went mask-free, okay? I was the only one without a mask, I'm gonna tell you right now, and I was, getting the, I was getting the shame down going on all the time in the store. Then I went up to the counter, and there was a piece of glass in front of me, and a man behind it with a mask on. And he uttered something. I don't know what he said. I looked at him and I said, I don't know whether I'm losing my hearing but I can't understand a word you're saying. I got like barriers of glass and fiber in front of me. I don't know if I overpaid, underpaid, don't even know if I bought what I wanted, I just got out of there. Arnold Toynbee said this, the nations are now ready to give the kingdoms of the world to any man who will offer a solution to the world's problems. 
you've never read Toynbee, I encourage you to read him, a great historian, great writer, prolific writer. But I wanna take you back to this, the battle is spiritual. The battle is spiritual. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Here's what he's saying. Don't be uninformed about the way Satan works in your world. It's interesting because there's several things that Paul says don't be ignorant of. He says don't be ignorant of Satan and his devices. Don't be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Don't be ignorant of the second coming of Christ. Now just think about those three right there. What happens if I'm ignorant about Satan then I fall into his what, trap? If I'm ignorant about spiritual gifts and I don't serve the body of Christ, and if I'm ignorant about the return of Christ then I lose hope in the world that is hopeless. What's the strategy of the enemy? Strategy of the enemy is pretty simple. It's isolate us from the power and the presence of God. If I can just keep you from understanding the power and the presence of God, I got you. If I can distract you with doom surfing, oh my God, oh, oh. I'm on my Twitter feed, I'm going, oh, oh, oh. Oh, can't believe it. What am I going to do? I got to retweet that one. That one's good. <laughs> oh, I got I to send that to my friend. He needs this one, right? Or how about polarize us with fear? We went to an outdoor mall. Outdoor mall yesterday in San Diego. It was like a TB ward. That's tuberculosis for those of you who don't know that. Code. I'm walking around, there's little guys walking around everywhere, making sure your mask is not just on your mouth, but on your nose too. And I'm going like, and everybody's afraid. I go, I'm not going back to the mall. I'm not afraid. Something's gonna get me. <laughs> Say, are you an alarmist? No, I, I'm not, and I'm not paranoid. I know everybody's after me. Here's some things to remember, and here's where that really gets good, all right? Your future is in God's hands. Hey, if you, if you don't remember anything I say, remember these last three things I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> Write these down, remember them. The notes are on your app. Get the church app if you don't have it, and all the notes that we've given you today are there. But just remember, your future is in God's hands. It's not in the politician. It's not in the country of Chaz. It's not anywhere. It's in God's hands. Can you give him glory? Put your hands together and give him glory. Here's another great truth. You, you carry the presence of God. Presence of God's here. Presence of God's here, but presence of God's here. You're a moving temple of the living God. Everywhere you go, you carry the presence of God. Amen? The glory of God is in you, on you, around you. Third thing to remember is this. You are protected by his Holy Spirit and his holy angels. Let me ask you this. Has there been a time in your life when you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? And you can say, 
pastor, there was a day in my life, a time in my life, whether you remember the exact hour and day is not the significant thing, but you remember there was a time when you confessed your sin to God, you believed Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead to give you eternal life, and you said, I believe, I believe. And in that moment, there's a transformation that happened in your life. And that transformation was this, that I went from unbelief to belief. I went from unsaved to saved. I went from darkness into light. Because you believe Jesus died on the cross, he was buried and he rose from the dead to give you eternal life. Has there been a time in your life that you've done that? If not, I want you to do that right now. Whether you're here in this, in this worship center or whether you're watching, uh, on live stream, I want you to, to pray a prayer like this one. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you were buried in a tomb, that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. And I believe on your name right now, and I call on your name so as to be saved in the name of Jesus. And if you did that, I want you to know that he has saved you right now. And you can thank him in your own words. And if you say, Pastor, I've already done that, I'm a Christian, then I want, you to, I want you to take that new challenge up for today. And we gotta do it every day. I wanna renew my faith. I wanna be strong in the Lord. I wanna put on the full armor of God today. I don't wanna just be a Christian. I wanna be a Christian with power, authority, wisdom, and confidence in my daily life, amen? So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him with all your heart and all your mind.